certain couple had celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. They were laying in bed one night, and the wife said to her husband, Honey, do you remember when you used to hold my hand every night before we dropped off to sleep? So he reaches out, and he grabs her hand and holds it. Then she said, Do you remember when you used to hug me and just hold me close before we dropped off to sleep? And again, he, he got the hint. He turned over in bed. You could almost hear his old bones crack. It was hard for him to roll over, but he, he did. And he snuggled up close to her and just held on to her. But she wasn't finished yet. She said, honey, do you remember when you used to nibble on my ear? And all of a sudden, the covers flew off, and he's huffing and puffing. He's trying to crawl out of bed. And she said, where are you going? And he said, to get my teeth. (laughs) This here, a week and a half ago, in our Bible reading, we read about an old couple who had a baby. What were their names? Abraham and Sarah. And and as I was reading through that, I, I was reminded that God kept every promise that he made to them. Not one promise did he make to Abraham and Sarah that that it went unfulfilled. And did you notice the faith of Abraham as he took his son Isaac up onto the mountain where God had commanded him to offer his son as a sacrifice to him? He he left his servant behind, and he and Isaac went on ahead. But before they left the servant, he turned to the servant and he said to him, We will go, my son and I will go and worship there on the mountain, and we will return. And then as he and Isaac are walking up the mountain, Isaac says to his father, Father, where where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Do you remember Abraham's words to him? He said, the Lord will provide. And so as we read through that, as I read through that, I was just noticing the faithfulness of God and I was noticing the faith of Abraham. As we read through our Bible together in this year, there there are so many nuggets of truth there for us. I just want to encourage you to be keeping up with your Bible reading. And as you are doing that, you are creating a habit of being in God's Word. And I can't think of a better habit for us to to have than that, to be in the Word of God, to be hearing what God has to say to us, to be learning from Him. These days in January, these Sundays, five Sundays, we are looking at our 2017 vision statement. It is as follows, and I have it on the screen there for you, empowering each other to relentlessly pursue the unchurched so that they become contagious followers of Jesus. I would encourage you, if by chance you have missed one of the previous Sundays, 
since the turn of the new year that you would go back uh, on your web on the website the church website find that and look up the the sermons that have been preached these these previous weeks and catch up because we want every member of our church to be aware of what our vision statement is and we want every member to buy in to this vision statement. We want you to know that you are empowered. You are authorized to go and relentlessly pursue the unchurched. In other things, in, in other words, this is the right thing for us to do. It's not just the preacher's job, it's it's all of our job. In fact, it is our privilege to go and connect with the unchurched people around us. The word unchurched is a word that I really should give attention to, as I did a couple of weeks ago, just in review. The word unchurched, those are the people that we are targeting. We are talking about people who do not have a regular church home that they attend every Sunday, or we are talking about those people who do not have any relationship with Jesus whatsoever. Those are the folks that we are relentlessly pursuing to try and help them come to a relationship with Jesus. Note, we are to relentlessly pursue them. That does not mean that we are hounding them with the gospel. That does not mean that we are being a nuisance to them. Or that we are harassing them with the, with the gospel. Rather, we are relentlessly pursuing them because we love them. In fact, we are relentlessly pursuing them with the love of Jesus. He has loved us to a point that he gave himself up for us as a as a sacrifice for our sins that's what dusty was talking about earlier he has loved us with an incomprehensible love it is a love that is beyond our imagination therefore we turn around and we share that love with other people we are relentlessly pursuing them with his love with the hope that as we are building a relationship with them, as we are connecting with them in the love of Christ, we will then be able to share with them the truth of Jesus. Speaking of prayer, uh, I said to you that our relentless pursuit of people begins in the prayer closet. Uh, We pray for people by name, and we are asking God to move in those people's lives. We are persistent in prayer for them. We are fervent in prayer for them. We are crying out to God in behalf of their souls. And as we are praying for them to come to know Jesus, may we pray, too, that God would help us to have a burden for those unchurched people. That God would give to us a heart of compassion. Lost people matter to God. Would you say that with me? Lost people matter to God. And because they matter to God, they should matter to us too. And so, we pray for them. 
That's where it really starts. We pray for them. We pray for them by name. And when we are doing that, the Holy Spirit is going to move in their life and He will also move in our life that He would begin to use us to help those people, to love those people, to witness to those people. I I wonder, have you made your list out of those people in your sphere of influence that are unchurched or lost people. If you have not done that, I want to encourage you to do that. That is a good thing for you to do, that you would be mindful, not not just, Lord, would you help lost people to be saved, but rather, Lord, would you help Joe? Would you help Betty? Would you help Shirley? Would you help Bill to be saved? saved. We need to pray for people by name. Would you read this vision statement with me again? Empowering each other to relentlessly pursue the unchurched so that they become contagious followers of Jesus. I want to focus today on the last part of that vision statement. We relentlessly pursue the unchurched so that they become contagious followers of Jesus. In other words, we want them to become more than just converts to Jesus. Becoming a convert to Jesus is very important. I cannot uh, emphasize that enough. In fact, I would say it this way. The greatest decision that a person can ever make in their life is to convert to Jesus, to begin to believe in Jesus and follow Him with their life. That decision is more important even than the decision of who we choose to marry. The decision to follow Jesus, to love Jesus with all of our heart, that is a bigger and more important decision than what we choose to do with our life, the career that we would choose. It's more important than the house that we buy, the car that we drive. It's more important than any other decision that we would make. It's the number one decision that we make in our life, the decision to follow Jesus. And the reason I say that is because it has to do with eternity. All of this other stuff is temporary, but the decision to follow Jesus has eternal ramifications. When we say yes to Jesus, our sins are forgiven. When we say yes to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes and He lives inside of us. He makes His residence in our heart. When we choose to say yes to Jesus, we are transferring our citizenship from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And so I cannot emphasize enough how important this decision is to be converted to Jesus. But we cannot stay in the infancy stage of our faith. Hear me say that. We cannot stay in the infancy stage of our faith. We have to grow. We have to mature. Discipleship is a growth journey just like physical maturity is a growth journey. I have a picture for you. My grandson, Stetson, 
Uh, he's four months old. You can tell he's not missing any meals at all. He likes to eat. And, and just like Stetson, uh, any other child that is his age, in fact, any child at all, they, it's, it's natural for them to grow, isn't it? They don't stay at this age for long. In fact, I kind of wish they would for a little while. Because at this stage, you can just hold them and you can cuddle them and uh, they don't wiggle and try and get out of your arms because they want to go do something else. They just let you hold them and they smile and they coo at you and they don't sass you. And you can just hold on to them. I wish they would stay at this age a little longer, but they don't. The reason is it's just natural for a young person to grow. And likewise, that's true spiritually. We are to grow spiritually. We are not to stay in our infant stage of spirituality. We are to grow. Now, I know it's mid-January, and so uh, it's, it's a little premature to talk about baseball, but, you know, the Chiefs did their thing last week, and so we can look ahead. We can think about uh, the Royals. I want to ask you if Eric Hosmer of the Kansas City Royals gets a base hit and he goes to first base, what, what's he to, where's he to go next? Second base. Yeah, that's the natural thing to do. And we've seen him do that. We've seen him get a base hit and, and he'll round first. He won't even hesitate and he'll go to second. He is aggressive and he'll slide in and he'll get that bag. And then where's he to go after that? Third base and then home. It wouldn't make sense for him to want to stay at first base and not have any interest in moving on to the the bases ahead. I've never seen a baseball player camp out at first base and not be interested in moving on to the next base. And likewise, it it would make about as much sense for, for a Christian to stay at the infancy stage of his or her faith. It just doesn't make sense. We are to grow. We are to progress in the likeness of Jesus. In fact, let me read to you a couple of passages of Scripture. One would be Colossians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me. I don't think I have these on the on the screen for you. And so uh, look at your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. The Apostle Paul is writing this. He says, we proclaim him, speaking of Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. Paul, in that passage of Scripture, is, is defining for us that the fact that we are to grow. We are to grow up in Jesus. We are to mature. And he says, this is what I'm putting my energy into. My ministry is all about this goal of helping others grow up in 
Jesus. Let me read to you from Ephesians chapter 1, actually chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects unto him who is the head, even Christ. It's a very similar passage as the one in Colossians. Paul is writing there. He says that we speak the truth in love, growing up in all aspects unto Jesus. That should be our goal. That's what we should be striving for. That, that, that's just the natural thing. That when we give our life to Jesus, then we are not to stay in the infancy stage. We are to grow up in Christ. But have you noticed what happens to those folks who do not have this intent of growing up in their life. I've noticed two things in my years of ministry and my, my years of experience as a Christian. I've noticed two things that happen to those folks who don't have this purpose about them of growing up in Christ. One is they just don't last. Now, sometimes it's a slow fade. Sometimes they fizzle out rather quickly. But to be sure, either scenario is not God's plan for them. God's plan for them is to grow. But understand this. There is another entity out there that is working hard against everyone who wears the name of Christian. He has a different plan than what God's plan is. He has a plan for destruction. And really, it doesn't matter to him whether it is a slow fade or, or an implosion early on. He's working to try and achieve his goal. He is relentless. He is determined. And of course, I'm talking about the devil. We have to understand that there is a spiritual battle going on and when one converts to Christianity, the old devil calls in extra forces to escalate the effort against that person. He wants to go to war more than ever because he wants to destroy that person before they firmly establish themselves in Jesus. He doesn't want us to read our Bible. Whether it's a new Christian or one who has worn that name for a long time, he does not want us to read our Bible. This Bible reading program that we're doing, he will do his best to discourage you in that simply because he knows that a Christian who is arming himself with the Word of God, that person is so much harder for him to deal with. He will try to keep you out of the Word. Recognize his tactics. He will give you plenty of other things to do besides be in the Word. Recognize his tactics. The devil doesn't want you to pray. 
He doesn't want you to have intimacy with the Father. He knows that a prayerless Christian is a powerless Christian. So he will do everything he can to try and keep you out of the prayer closet. The last thing that he wants from you is for you to have a relationship with the Father. And there's something else that he's going to be working hard, trying to keep you from connecting with other Christian people. He does not want you to have a support system through Christ. I remember years ago uh, seeing a statistic that if a new Christian could make seven connections in the church, seven friendships in the early days of their faith, then they are going to have a better chance at making it spiritually. Why is that? Because those friends, those connections become a support system. And we are... Loving each other and we are serving each other and we are becoming deeper in our friendship to a point that we are bearing each other's burdens. And Satan doesn't want that to happen. And he will do his best to keep you from connecting with people. This is, this is why we encourage you to be in church. Because not only as you are in church are you hearing the message preached and you have an opportunity for worship, but it's also an opportunity simply to connect with other people who can become a support system to you. That when you are in a crisis, we can be there for you. And likewise, when we are in a crisis, you can be there for us. That's why we encourage you to be a part of an ABF class. That's why we would encourage you to be a part of a Sunday evening small group. That's why we have such events as the If Gathering or the Valentine Banquet. That's why the youth group needs one another. Kids need each other as a support group in which when they face hard times, they have somebody that they can lean on. Satan doesn't want that. He's going to fight. He's going to work for that not to be the case in your life. He'd rather you try and go alone in this battle apart from connections of the church. We need the strength of numbers. Satan knows that. that that's, that's why... When, when a person begins to miss church more and more over a period of time, it becomes a point of concern because it can be the beginning of a slow fade. Let me read to you from this book entitled Pursued by Judd Wilhite. He says, when we forget God, it's rarely that we wake up and choose to do it. 
It's often subtle and slow, gradual over the course of one day after another. We get busy with work, with school and family responsibilities. The kids play sports and have music lessons. They have concerts and events and golf games and club meetings like the frog in the kettle of water that never realizes it's getting warmer until it's too late. We find ourselves gradually slipping away imperceptibly we just remove God from the place he used to have in our life you sense what he's saying there Satan is so slick and he has such a good strategy he knows better than to tempt us to just turn to heaven and curse God and snub our nose at God he knows we wouldn't do that because We know that God is love and God is good and and we wouldn't dare do that. But if he can get us to gradually put God on the back burner of our life, if he can get us to just be so busy that God loses his place of prominence, then it becomes what I would call a slow fade away. And Satan is patient to let that happen. Don't let that happen to you. Recognize Satan's tactics. Now, I've said to you, what is it that happens when a person is not intent on growing in their Christian life. And I have said to you that it, they just eventually, they, we lose them. They don't stay in there. And it can happen through a slow fade, as such as what I just described to you. But it can happen too, just through an early implosion. And Jesus actually talks about that. In our reading this last week from Matthew chapter 13, he told a parable about the soils. You remember that parable? Where a sower goes out to sow seed on the soil and some of the seed falls on what he called rocky ground. And and the seed took root and it began to grow. But then the sun came up and it got hot and it scorched the plant. What's going on there? The sun, if you read on further in that chapter, Jesus explains what he's talking about. The sun is referring to trials, tribulation, and persecution. And so if a person has not planted their roots deep into Jesus, then when a trial comes, and we know that they will come, sometimes they come in big, in big forms, sometimes in little forms, but when trials come against us, if our roots are not planted firmly in Jesus, that trial can be the end of us. I was interested uh, in the first service. Rick Masters was praying around the communion table, and his prayer was something to this effect. He was saying, Lord, we don't know what's around the corner from us. It may be bigger than what we expect. But, Lord, would you help us to be ready?
Boy, is that ever the truth. We need to plant our roots firmly into Jesus, lest when trials come and persecution, that it does us in. Now, Jesus continued in that parable, and he told about a third kind of soil. He called it the the thorny soil, where the seed is planted and the the root goes down and it, 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 it produces a plant. And uh, then the thorns begin to grow. And it chokes the plant out. What was he talking about there? If you read on in the parable, he's saying that the thorns represent the worries of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, it's all of those things that can distract us from Jesus. If we do not plant our roots deep into Jesus Christ, then all of the stuff of this world that we can be distracted by, it can just undo us. And we don't want that to happen. And so what is the key? The key is... And what I'm encouraging you in today, the key is to plant your roots deeply into Jesus. Let's go to that list of eight things. You say, how do I plant myself deeply into Jesus? The staff over the last few months have been brainstorming and we have come up with a list of eight things that we think would be helpful to you. That if you give your attention to these eight things, it will be helpful to you in planting your roots deeply into Jesus. Now, let me give to you a caution. And I noticed... Uh, exactly what Jeff Michael was praying over the offering time. Because he talked about grace versus works. And the danger here with this kind of a list would be that we think, okay, if I do number one and two and three and four and on through number eight, if I give attention to all of these things, then I'm going to be good spiritually and I'm going to be honorable to God and I'm going to earn my way into heaven. That's not how it works at all. Because the only way that we can get to heaven is through who? Through Jesus. His work on the cross is sufficient for us. His blood has paid the price. There's nothing that we can do to add to what Jesus has done on Calvary. But as we recognize His love for us, as we recognize His grace to us, it should be a motivating factor for us that we would then begin to pour ourselves back into him and into his work and into his kingdom which means we need to be interested in going because you know Jesus was interested in going 
And we need to be interested in praying because Jesus was interested in praying. And all of these things, these are things that we do to grow ourselves firmly into Jesus Christ. It's, it's kind of like this in my relationship with Cindy, my wife. If I just sit back and do nothing and don't contribute to the marriage, I'm not going to have a very good marriage. And she's going to be talking to me about that. I need to contribute to the marriage. I need to be listening to her. I need to be communicating with her. I need to be being kind to her and sensitive and and loving her and serving her. And when, when I am doing those kinds of things, it contributes to the marriage in making it stronger. And likewise, spiritually, Jesus has paid the price for us. His love should motivate us to want to do for him. And I want to go for him. And I want to talk to him and build a relationship with him. I want to hear what he has to say to me by being in his word. And right on down the list here. It's not a legalistic list. It's just this is what we need to do to be growing in him. And so over the next eight months, beginning in February, we're going to take the whole month and we're going to look at what going means. And we're going to tackle that. And we're going to learn about that. And we're going to be challenging you to go in his name. The, the month of March, we're going to talk about prayer. And we're going to challenge you to be a prayer warrior. To grow deeper in your prayer life. And right on down through eight months, we want to grow in these Areas And another thing that we're asking you to consider doing, and you, you uh, may have read this in your bulletin insert, the little light-colored insert in your bulletin, we are, we are asking you to consider signing up each month for one of these different categories. For instance, say in uh, the month of February, I want to learn about going. And so you check going and uh, and you give us your contact information and then one of the staff people will be contacting you over the month of February through email or through whatever means of communication that you have that we can communicate to you easily and we're going to try to just simply sharpen you in this area and we're not going to harass you uh, we're talking once or twice a week where we would send you an email just something for you to think about a scripture for you to read a, a challenge for you to consider simply trying to sharpen you in that area that you've signed up for and ideally over eight months time you would have signed up for each one of these Let's look at the vision statement again. Empowering each other to relentlessly pursue the unchurched so that they become contagious followers of Jesus. If we want to help someone else become a contagious follower of Christ, it only makes sense that we would become that too. Let's pray together. God, would you help us 
to have a desire to grow. And I want to give you just a moment to pray silently to God. Lord, would you help me to grow? Lord, none of us want to stay the same. We want to mature in you. So over these months to come, I pray that we would each uh, put that effort into growing, that we would become one who is training ourselves, disciplining ourselves to grow. In Jesus' name.